Hi there, and welcome to the Becoming Fearless podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Lawrence. I'm a certified coach with a master's degree in organizational psychology and over a decade of experience coaching and developing career women like you. This is the podcast where we have a little fun and you learn how to grow in your career and skyrocket your belief of what is possible. Let me guide you to becoming fearless so you can truly have it all. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week I have a special guest. I have Ellen Lawrence, who is the Director of Analytical Services for Emergent Biosolutions, and she is also my wife. And we are going to talk about her career development journey, starting as tech associate scientist and going all the way to being a senior leader in the pharma biotech industry. So she has had a really cool development story, and I I think that you would really appreciate it and get a lot of insight for those of you that are looking to advance your career in really any industry, but especially in the pharma biotech sector. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hi, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, honey. I'm so excited to have you. On the podcast. So for everyone who doesn't know you, can you just share a little bit about um, who you are and your current role and kind of your educational background? Sure. So my name is Ellen Lawrence. I am your wife. (laughs) I am currently the director of analytical development at Emergent Biosolutions out of their Gaithersburg site. So my current role is I have a team right now. I believe we have 11 people and a couple of temporary associates. We do everything from developing test methods to releasing product for phase one and phase two clinical trials. So I oversee that group and that work. I... You have a fancy education. Right, right. <laughs> um, it, it, it's really not as fancy as it sounds. Um, so I started out my education. I went to State University of New York College at Cortland. I did a bachelor's degree in biology there. Um, took a little bit of time figuring out what science I wanted as a major, so I ended up minoring in chemistry, physics, and computer applications. Once I had worked in industry for a few years, I recognized that I wanted to understand the business aspects of the industry as well as enhance my scientific education. So I went to Johns Hopkins and completed both an MS in biotechnology and an MBA. So that's it in a nutshell. All right. So, and you're a department head at Emergent, right, for analytical services? Yes. Okay. So when did you start your career in pharma biotech? And what was, can you, do you remember your entry level position? I mean, technically it started in 1994 or 95. I had a part-time position. It eventually became full-time working in a laboratory in Ithaca, New York, a really small company that was working on Taxol. So they were a contract manufacturer. They made a breast cancer drug and I was hired at that time without a degree to essentially make media and dispense media. So that's really where it all started. I recognized that I liked doing lab work. I liked being in an industry that had the potential to help people. And I realized I needed at least a bachelor's degree 
if I wanted to really build a career in that particular industry. So I went to SUNY Cortland, got my degree. I worked as an academic research associate in a couple different labs before actually breaking the barrier into industry. My first industry position was a temporary position with Bristol-Myers Squibb up at East Syracuse, New York. And then I applied for a permanent position and was fortunate enough to get one in their analytical biochemistry department. Mm -hmm. And that was in uh, early 2004. I started permanently there. I was a temp from June of 2003 to early 2004. Okay. And when did you start working at Emergent where you're now? February of 2009. Awesome. And what was your entry-level position at Emergent? I was an associate scientist in the analytical development group. So lower level running routine testing for the product that we were working on at that time. So within the department that you now lead. Yes. That is so awesome. 11 and a half years in the same place. Yeah, that's awesome. So what challenges did you experience when working your way up to your current position? So within just emergent, if you want to stay in that space, since that's where you've been and that's where you started as entry level in that department and now you lead that department. So what challenges did you have to kind of get to where you are now? There were challenges with management. So there were challenges working, not necessarily my direct manager being difficult, but there were other managers throughout the entire department that really made a toxic culture, toxic working environment. Mm -hmm. So that was a big challenge. It was demotivating at times. And, you know, I questioned whether or not that was the right working environment for me. Fortunately, the company has changed and they have addressed some of the issues that they recognize with the working culture. Um, you know, some of the other issues I faced was just frustration with understanding the reason that business decisions were being made that directly impacted my day-to-day work. Mm. We have gone through a great deal of transition in the company in the time I've been there. They've acquired smaller companies and grown quite a bit, but with each acquisition meant you were working through a transition. So whether it was changing from one project to another, whether it was something coming in that was higher priority last minute, there were frustrations with the decisions that were being made and how it impacted our work. Also, turnover in other departments meant we were constantly adapting to the way that new people did things. So we had to change different things that we were doing to make sure that we were meeting their expectations. So there was a lot of frustration in in dealing with those changes and working through them and doing so in a manner that we were also putting out work that was high in quality and with a great deal of integrity. Yeah, a lot of what you described sounds similar to my experience in the kind of pharma biotech industry too. I think it's just kind of the lay of the land, especially Mm -hmm. when you're with a company for such a long period of time, you're going to see a lot of turnover and changes in management and growth and culture. So how did you stay motivated to kind of stay there and then also just to kind of continue to build your skills to continue to rise within the ranks at Emergent to get to where you are now when things were so frustrating and challenging at times? Some of it was just taking part in being the solution as opposed to just complaining about the problem. So I was involved with the culture initiative right from the start. I was on their focus panel. I was part of the culture team 
at uh, the emergent site in Gaithersburg. So being able to interact directly with upper management to have a say in some of the way that the culture was going to move and to help implement programs that moved it in a positive direction was motivating. It was positive reinforcement that management was actually recognizing a problem existed. And rather than sitting back and being blind to it, they were taking steps to change it. So being part of that change, being part of that solution was motivating in and of itself. They also started a, um, a corporate philanthropy program that I was fortunate enough to lead for a couple of years. So without formal management experience and without having direct reports reporting directly into me, I was able to gain leadership experience within the company by leading teams in other areas. And that helped. It allowed me to grow my leadership skills. It also helped to keep me motivated because I saw positive changes happening. And I saw the impact that was having, having not only within the, the working culture and the working environment in Emergent, but what we were doing you know, throughout the community, um, particularly with helping educate youngsters in STEM topic areas. That was one of the more rewarding things that I got to do. That was kind of the fun part of my job. So that kept me going, um, even you know at, at times when things were really frustrating. It was nice to have these opportunities to do things that had a positive impact, not only on the work environment, but what the company was doing outwardly for the community. Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm a big fan of looking for opportunities and projects and stretch assignments and things that are going to help you build your skills and also get more visible. So this is a really good segue to the next thing I wanted to ask you, which was how you view career development. So you've been going through all these ups and downs. You've been finding these other ways to kind of stay engaged and stay motivated. But what's your personal view on your own career development? I feel that some of it is just where expertise meets opportunity. So I was given the opportunity when I had completed my MBA to actually utilize some of that education in an informal way by leading these teams that didn't have like a formal reporting structure and they were more of like a volunteer type of, of activity. Um, so in my mind, you know, I was continuing to look for ways that I could grow myself without having a formal title where I was a manager and had people reporting to me. So in some ways, I think some of the career development falls upon the individual. I also think, though, you have to have a good partner in management. So as a manager now, one of the questions that I ask my team very regularly when I meet with them one-on-one -on -one is, you know, not only, you know, how are you doing? Do you have everything you need to do? But it's what can I do to help you achieve the goals you want for yourself? And where do you see yourself going? And so it's, it's, a, it's a team building teamwork experience. You have to have somebody that's invested in you. As a manager, you have to be invested in your employees. Um, but as an individual, looking at my continued career development, um, you know, just making sure that I'm taking every step I can to give myself opportunities to grow and to learn and develop, but also seeking people that can mentor me and help me grow as well as just staying connected with my manager and making sure that he's partnering with me to offer me the opportunities that I need. That's awesome. It's clearly gotten you really far to have that view as far as 
what you take personal accountability for versus where you really look to leverage your network and your manager. So that's really awesome. So I'm going to ask you something a little bit more difficult. So is there a decision that you can think of that you wish you didn't make? either related to being a director, leading a team earlier in your career, or maybe even just related to your career development? Did you make kind of a pivot or a change that you wish that you didn't? Not that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, No, I, I mean, most of the decisions I've made have had positive results for me and my growth, not only like career growth, but also as an individual. I think, you know, looking back just some of the times when I felt frustrated, um, kind of knowing then what I know now, I maybe wouldn't <laughs> have experienced that level of frustration to not understand why decisions are being made that they the way that they were, um, you know, and just outwardly expressing some of that frustration to coworkers, little things like that, um, just, wishing I had the patience then to kind of sit back and see how things unfolded rather than allowing my emotions to get the better of me and expressing frustration. Um, but nothing major. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest decisions I've made around, you know, relocating from upstate New York to Maryland have worked out well. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to pursue the degrees at at Hopkins that I ended up pursuing had I stayed where I was. Um, The decision to make the move to Emergent at a time I was working for a startup that was running out of money and had an extremely toxic working environment all have have worked out well and um, been favorable for me in terms of growth and in terms of my career development. So it sounds like even when you've made decisions that were challenging, you found a way to look at it as an opportunity of what you, like you were always able to learn from the decisions that you made. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, so you had, this is a good segue to part of your response in the last question, but what, how has your views on management changed over time? So now that you are in this leadership position and you said the frustrations and you wish you wouldn't have felt as frustrated because you know more now. So how has your view on management changed? It's changed pretty substantially um you know come coming into the industry i think you know i knew i didn't know as much as i needed to know not only in terms of scientific knowledge because it it grows and it advances so rapidly but also just coming into a very large industry in a professional working environment i think it's humbling as you go up through the ranks and you start to see the information that managers have the, the privilege to see when they're making decisions. And, you know, I just had the misfortune of working for managers who weren't as transparent or who didn't communicate what they were able to communicate in terms of why decisions were made. So the big picture view wasn't there and that led mm-hmm. to frustration. So now that I'm you know, more on the inside, I guess you could say, and I've got this privilege to see information that not everybody sees. I have an appreciation for the way in which some of my managers in the past have kind of protected people at the lower level by not disseminating a bunch of information that would, you know, maybe make them think more negatively about decisions that were being made. Um, And I, I, 
better understand why decisions have been made the way that they've been made. So, it, you know, my view on management is much more positive now than it was <laughs> when I was just kind of like being told what to do and not really given an explanation for it. And I mean, that plays a little bit into my management style and that I want to make sure that the people reporting to me know that there's nothing I would ask them to do that I would not do myself, but also that if I'm asking them to do something or we're talking about a particular project, I'm going to give them as much of the background information as I can so that they understand the tasks they're being given and where they fit into the bigger picture in terms of the organization, whether it's working toward a revenue goal or whether it's working toward fulfilling milestones for a particular project. I, that's great. I'm glad that you added that because I was going to ask you if that influenced the way that you manage your team, which we'll talk about um, in a little bit. So is there something that you wish you would have known when you were growing your career? If you could go back to entry-level associate scientist Ellen, <laughs> is there something that you think you wish you would have known? Yeah, I wish I would have known the amount of work and the amount of information that goes into determining those tasks that are kind of delegated downward and how important it is to take advantage of doing those tasks and building the skill set that you build at entry level. If I hadn't worked through a number of the different projects I had worked through, um, you know, starting back at, at Bristol Myers and, and then, you know, through my experience at the startup where I worked and now at Emergent, I wouldn't have the technical skill set that I currently have. Mm -hmm. um, those tasks are really important. It can be frustrating to, you know, not advance as, as quickly as one would hope but it's important to kind of spend your time in the trenches, so to speak, mm -hmm. and to appreciate what you're learning because all of that knowledge inherently builds upon itself. And once you do get the opportunity to move upward and you're managing people and they're now in the lab doing work, when they hit hurdles or issues arise, the foundational skill set of technical expertise is the one thing that you go back to. And if you don't spend as much time building those foundational skills. It, it's like building a house without a foundation. You don't have the solid knowledge and the experience to draw from that enables you not only to build a good working collaboration with your direct reports, but you don't have the knowledge and the expertise to help them troubleshoot things. Hmm. So, Okay, so then going into this next question, what is a piece of advice that you would offer women who are looking to grow their career in pharma or biotech and for the purpose of, of women for this podcast that includes non-binary and the trans population? So those that are looking to go from individual contributor to people manager or from people manager to director, kind of the stages that you've had, what is a piece of advice that you would offer those women? Well, I would first say don't ever be afraid to ask for what you want. Um, I wouldn't have gotten a role as a manager had I not voiced it to my direct superior very early on and said, you know, I'm working toward these degrees and 
this is what I'm working toward. I want to manage people in the lab. I don't want to manage projects. I want to work myself into a position where I'm managing people. So I was very forthright about my personal goals and where I wanted to go. And I wasn't afraid to ask for it. And I feel like sometimes we assume maybe people know what we're working for, but I feel like you've got to have the confidence and the courage to know that you're worth whatever goals you're working toward in your career, and you cannot be afraid to ask for it. You have to be open, you have to be transparent, and you have to say, you know, this is what I want. And, you know, for anybody, you know, women non-binary, transgender, whoever it may be, I feel like being authentic to who you are is a, is a huge part of it as well. Um, you know, you really have to build trust with the people that you work with every day. You know, you're, you're, you're building a working relationship. You want them to know that you're being authentic, you're being truthful, you're somebody that is honest, you have integrity. And if you're not bringing your authentic self to work, people have a hard time trusting that you're being authentic with them. And, you know, a challenge I've had my whole life is I'm a huge tomboy. I always have been, you know, I don't look very feminine. I don't dress very feminine. And for a while early in my career, I felt that that might hold me back because I didn't play the game. I didn't dress the way that a lot of um, female professionals dress. I was just me, but that has not held me back and particularly in the pharma and biotech industry just being authentic and being who you are and allowing people to see your skills and see them in a manner that's transparent goes a long way because you're in a very technical field and what matters is not necessarily the way that you look or the way that you talk it's the expertise that you bring to the table so i think people have to be authentic in order to build the trust that they need to build in order to advance their careers and I think just making sure you're being forthright about asking what what you really want for yourself is important as well. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, is there a setback that comes to mind um, that you've experienced in your career? And if so, can you share with us how you overcame it? I mean, the biggest setback was, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was really a setback. Um, Going from the startup where I was working into emergent was difficult because it was it was a lateral position and I wasn't entirely certain how much upward mobility I would have at emergent. I knew that at the time they were doing well and they were not struggling with finances the way that the startup was. Um, but it it was like I had to make a lateral move and you know for the sake of, of job security more than anything. And then had to kind of stay in that position for a while and then move upward. And it, what it did is it kind of created a plateau relatively early on in my career. So I had been at Bristol-Myers and I advanced there and then I, I, I kind of stayed lateral for about three or four years. I didn't really move up the way that I had hoped to move up. And I think that was just the biggest challenge for me mentally was to continue pushing and doing my best work and just you know, believing in myself and that the opportunity would arise that would enable me to advance. And I mean, it eventually did. It took time. But I think that was probably the biggest setback, so to speak, was just kind of staying plateaued at that level for a longer period of time than I had experienced previously. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people struggle with that. They get frustrated if they're not able to promote or or be advanced, you know, every 18 months or two years. And so to hear that you were in a place, given the success you've had, where you stayed in the same position for several years, I think is, is really important to mention. So you mentioned the importance of having management on your side when it comes to your goals and your development plan. So what would you tell someone who wants to move into leadership or a management position but doesn't have the support of their manager? I would say to seek a mentor who will help them with getting, you know, skills or visibility that will enable them to eventually get to the point that that they want to achieve. Um, I think it's, you know, I've seen the impact of bad managers on a work staff, um, you know, in, in other groups, and it can be very demotivating. It can cause extensive turnover. And if you're working toward a goal and you want to work your way into management and you don't have the support of management, I think it's good to seek that support elsewhere. Um, getting, you know, somebody that's a peer to their manager that can mentor them and then help them get buy-in from their manager to give them the opportunity to work their way upward would be a good avenue. Um, I wouldn't just necessarily, you know, check out and, and leave and look for opportunities elsewhere. Sometimes it's good to just explore other avenues within the same company and see what opportunities you, you can create for yourself. Yeah, that's really good advice. So now we're going to transition a little bit to one of your favorite things to talk about, which is your management style. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> and it, it's been cool because I've seen you develop as a people leader in just the time that I've known you and we've been together and you've kind of just increased your leadership and increased your capability over time. And so can you share a little bit about your management style and how you developed your style? Yep. Um... So my management style is very individualized. Um, I manage each person individually, so to speak, because everybody is a little bit different. Everybody has a different work-life balance, different challenges, and everybody's bringing something a little bit different to the table. As a result of that, I treat people like people. Um, you know, I recognize who they are as individuals. I get to know them as individuals. And then I look for ways that I can best motivate them with aligning what they want to do to where the company needs them to do that. And that is, it's challenging um, because it's not just, you know, a black and white SOP, so to speak, on you're managing everybody the same way and it's like a blanket management style. Everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's motivated by something a little bit different. And especially when new employees join the organization getting to know them takes a little bit of time and so you're investing time up front to establish a working relationship to get to know them to get to understand them and then utilize who they are as a person and where they want to go to continue to motivate them and engage them um, so yeah it's very individualized it's very much you know when I meet with them one-on-one -on -one, the first question I ask, how are you doing? Not what's the status of your projects, not, you know, and, and especially these days in the age of COVID, it's how are you doing? How are you coping with everything? How mm -hmm. is your family doing? Is everybody staying safe? Mm -hmm. That personal interaction 
it enables them to recognize I'm seeing them as people. And I actually had somebody recently say, you know, thank you for recognizing me as a person. It feels good to be seen. And that was kind of eye-opening for me because this comes, it, it's come pretty naturally to just manage people this way. It's how I prefer to be managed. I don't like being micromanaged. I don't want to just have somebody asking me for project status updates like I'm a robot and I'm just spitting out data. Um, you know, and I have people at all different stages of their lives, people that, you know, their children are getting married. I have people who have children that are going off to college and they're becoming empty nesters for the first time. I have people that just had babies. Mm -hmm. So there's this diverse array of life experiences. And these people, when they come to work, they're bringing their whole self to work. They have different challenges that they're working with outside of work, things at home that are going on. And knowing them as people enables me to connect with them and manage them a lot more effectively. So do you think that the style is just something that comes natural to you? Or is it just you seeing other people manage and kind of taking what you really liked about each style? Or is it all of that? It's kind of a combination. It's one, it's I treat people the way I want to be treated. Um, you know, kindness and respect are, are at the forefront of that. Um, I've learned a lot from having bad managers having people that you know they were having a bad day and it came out sideways at everyone around them mm -hmm. and they took it out on on everyone and then you know part of my MBA I took a class on managing and leading in the biotech industry and one of the things that that class really stressed was making sure that you manage people as individuals that you understand what motivates each individual and that you're just trying not trying to manage everybody the same way because mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely a combination of just experience, um, bringing myself into work and being the best type of manager that I can envision being, and then recognizing each person as, as an individual. So it's definitely a combination of, of, Good, good and bad experiences I've had, education that I've received, and then my own, um, you know, just personal aspirations for the type of manager I want to be. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's really connected to what you were saying earlier about being authentic and allowing people to bring their whole self to work. It's mm -hmm. like, that really translates to how, it sounds like, to how you manage your team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there someone that you can think of, and you don't have to name a name specifically, um, you can just talk about the person, but... Someone who has had a tremendous impact on you as a leader. So you mentioned uh, mentorships and managers and colleagues that you've worked with. Is there someone that you think has had a really big impact on you and how did that person impact you? Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad is has had a huge impact on me as a leader, um, not just in my current role, not just in my career, but just on who I am as a person. He had an impact on me my whole life. He just really, following his example, enabled me to be a leader in a number of different ways. I was never, you know, real vocal growing up playing sports. I was never that that person on the court or on the field who was like getting in other people's faces and screaming at them to motivate them. I led more by example, which is what my dad did. Um, and just seeing him and how he successfully grew his career and navigated different changes. Like his, his career really pivoted in strange directions as it 
it grew and seeing how he handled that and handled transitions was, you know, a good example for me and enabled me to, to have something to strive for. Um, aside from him, I would say I had, you know, um, examples of what not to do more so than what to do in terms of management styles and learned how I didn't want to manage people and, you know, kind of following my dad's example, looking at what I didn't want to do. And then having the experience of working with some great people in upper management who have joined the company in the past couple of years has really helped me, um, become the type of leader and, and look to continue to grow into the type of leader I want to be. Um, is there um, advice that you would give someone who is going into leadership or people management for the first time? So they're going from an individual contributor to having someone reporting to them. What would be a piece of advice that you would offer them? Uh, I would say to take it kind of slowly, day by day, don't rush into anything, and to think about the type of leader you want to become and act accordingly with that. Um, try to figure out things you can do, whether it's weekly meetings or um, you know, quick stand-up meetings to have conversations with your direct report or direct reports. Get to know them as people and then figure out what leadership style works for you that also enables you opportunity to grow as a leader. Um, someone offered me some pretty good advice when I became um, a people manager and they recommended the book, The First 90 Days, which is a Harvard Business Review book. And that was, it was pretty useful um, because when you do go from being an individual contributor to a manager, it can be a little bit overwhelming at times because a lot of information starts coming your way that you weren't used to seeing. And trying to digest it rapidly, um, I feel, is overwhelming. So I think you kind of have to take things a little bit at a time and allow yourself time to transition into that role and then just seek, you know, information through books like The First 90 Days or, or you know, other leadership articles. Uh, Harvard Business Review has tons of them. Um, but just, you know, seek advice where needed and just give your time to grow into the position. Don't expect yourself to know everything right off the bat because that's, it's just not realistic. Nobody's mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Um, and then what are you doing to ensure that you continue to grow and develop as a leader? I am continuing to look for ways to improve the way I manage my people, um, to understand the different nuances of management, everything from, you know, not only directing work and, and making sure that we are handling all the logistics around testing and whatnot that we have to deal with on a, da a daily basis, but also just understanding people's mindset, um, understanding how people think, how different personalities um, interact with one another, and then how I as a manager can best lead people of differing mindsets, differing personalities. Um, I also am just looking for opportunities to continue to grow as a person. Um, you know, how can I improve as a manager? You know, what is it that I can do differently um, or better? And I ask for that feedback from my team, uh, but then I'm also, you know, thinking about decisions I've made and 
how things could have been done differently and then implementing things that allow me to do things more efficiently and effectively as a manager. Mm-hmm. Do you have a like three or five or 10 year plan? Is this, is this it for you? Do you want to stay as the director of this department for the rest of your career? No. Or, oh, no, oh, that was a quick response. Okay, so are you continuing to keep your eye on something bigger or different? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I want to continue to, to move upward, um, you know, getting to the point where eventually I'm in charge of not only the analytical side of things, but maybe the process side of things as well to help uh, manage things very smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the, the, the bumpiest areas that we have right now is kind of that cross-functional communication and cross-functional collaboration. The way that different groups work, they tend to get siloed and breaking down those silos in a manner that would allow people to interact more efficiently is something that I'm working toward. And, you know, eventually being able to run an entire department or an entire business unit or an entire company would be, you know, something that I, I will continue to work for and strive for. Sky's the limit, uh, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so my last question is, <laughs> what is it like being married to me? So this one's, like, <laughs> this one's a little bit fun. Some people know me, some people don't. But they've all gotten an idea of my background, coming from pharma biotech, being a coach. So what is it like being um, my wife? <laughs> there is never a dull moment. Let's just yeah. put it that way. It's, um, you know, just when you think you've, figured stuff out and you know what to expect something else happens and the unexpected happens and then it's like oh it's your mindset oh you could think of it differently this way or oh you know maybe if you thought of it this other way it would improve how you feel you know your feeling is just a feeling you can control it um you know it's it's like kind of living in the matrix a little bit like you know okay but it's yeah. helped you grow, right? I mean, I'm, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know, listening to your answers, I can hear some of my influence if I don't say so myself. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. No, it's um, it's interesting, and it is educational. Um, <laughs> it's educational. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Um, but yeah, it also, you know, when I've had a bad day and I'm just venting. And I get Coach Melissa with, oh, you know, if you just thought about it this way, you could change your mindset and that would change the feeling. I just like, I'm like shaking my fist in the air. Like, I just need my wife to just listen to me vent right now and say you love me and that I'm right. right. Like, I don't need to know so that there's so, a thousand different ways. Sometimes I take it too far. Yeah, every once in a while. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure everyone appreciates that candid insight. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... It's definitely a different perspective on the world. Um, being <laughs> then, married as to a you. scientist that you're used to, I'm sure. Well, yeah, because I'm used to data and data-driven things, and now I'm like, oh no. I it's... mean, I talk about brain science. It's <laughs> data-driven right. as I can. Right, but when I start talking about stuff I'm doing in the lab, you glaze over. Right, so That's true. you know, um, <laughs> no, it's. Like I said, it's it's interesting and challenging, <laughs> and, and um, but it's offered me a different perspective and different insight on things. And there's different things that you do as a coach, different um, activities you do, and I'm able to 
you know, recommend those things. Pick my brain. Uh, well, and like when people are like, oh, what can we do for a team building activity? It's like, oh, you know, my wife knows this <laughs> thing and she did this thing. And so, you know, yeah. it, it, it comes with its perks. It does. Saying. It does. It does. And, you know, I told you recently, I do quote you frequently at work and, you know, it's thinking about things and recognizing other people's perspective is something that I think has become a strength of mine as a leader. And I don't know that I would have honed in on that quite as strongly as I have if I weren't married to you. Aw, that's so sweet. Well, you're just always, you know, listening to the other person's perspective yeah. and being an active listener and making sure that I'm understanding where they're coming from so that I can more effectively manage not only the situation, but my mindset around it. So. Oh, thanks, babe. I learn a lot from you, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what DNA looks like because of Twizzlers I do. and Gummy I Bears. I do. I do. Okay. So is there... <laughs> Let's reel it in. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about your career journey, your career development, anything else that you think that our listeners would want to hear, find valuable? I mean, not necessarily. I definitely don't have, I would say, a typical career trajectory because I took time off from college to figure out what I wanted to do. I worked in a lab as literally like the lowest of low assistants in doing, you know, things that aren't terribly technically complicated but required a good amount of detail and you know going from that going back getting my bachelor's degree working for a while in academic research which is challenging for for a number of reasons on its own and then making the leap to industry pursuing advanced degrees you know I was somebody that thought I was going to go to med school and I was going to be a doctor and I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon that worked with athletes and you know, here I am 20 years later in the biotech pharma industry working on, you know, vaccines and biotherapeutics and running a department of people that does all this testing. It's nowhere close to where, you know, I thought I was going to end up very early on when I was young and, um, you know, had all this ambition to like go out and, you know, rebuild people's joints. Um, (laughs) If only you had a coach to help you early <laughs> life was my coach life life was my coach and it you know it, it, um, it put me on the path that I needed to be on but yeah. it, it, it's a very unconventional career trajectory some yeah. people come out they do their bachelor's they do the master's they do a PhD they do a postdoc and then they end up in industry so I would say no matter where people are in their career Um, you know, they need to just figure out what it is that they want for themselves and then just work toward it. Um, hard work pays off and you don't have to have like a traditional career path or skyrocket to the top. You know, you you just need to find something that you like and that you find interesting, continue to do it and then continue to find opportunities to grow your career, you know, and never be afraid to ask for what you want. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I'm so glad you said that because that, is what I love doing most with the people that I work with is helping them figure out what they really like and mm-hmm. what their next step is. So I couldn't have planted that seed better. <laughs> so thank you for mentioning that. All right. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for wanting me <laughs> to be on your podcast. Yeah, I think everyone's really going to get a lot of value from your story. I hope so. I hope so. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, well, that was it. Wasn't that, like, so insightful? I feel like she had such good nuggets there, and hopefully my laughing did not blow out your eardrums. <laughs> um, but if you are interested in learning more about coaching, about how I can help you with your development journey, I invite you to apply for coaching. We start with a free call where we talk for a full hour about where you are now, where you want to be, and how you can get there. So if you are interested, please go to my website at www.melissamlawrence.com. There is a link there where you can schedule some time with me directly, and I will also put the link in the show notes. Have a great week.